Hello, 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 and welcome to the So You Want to Be a Musician podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Sleep. Um, happy February, everyone. Um, I don't know about you guys, but January always feels like it goes on forever. Um, so I'm always happy to, you know, get into February and feel like the year is really moving forward. A couple quick things before we get to the interview. Um, if you would like to support the show, the number one thing that you can do is to share it with a friend or leave a rating and review on iTunes or both. Um, it just helps people find the show, helps us get suggested to other people that are listening to similar podcasts, um, and you know, just helps us grow and helps um, helps me be able to provide even more content um, for you guys on really cool stuff. Um, a couple quick things, um, just announcements before we get to the interview. I have a new song out. Um, it came out last Friday, which was the 31st. Um, it's available on all uh, major streaming platforms, iTunes, Spotify, all that good stuff. Uh, I'm going to play at the very end of the episode after the interview. Um, so if you'd like to check it out, you can. I'm also going to link it in the show notes. Uh, so if you want to go and save it for later, you can do that as well. Uh, also on the new music uh, front, I have another song coming out on the 27th of February. Uh, I will also link the pre-save link in the show notes. Uh, those of you that want to make sure you don't miss that, you can. Um, you know, it's that's there. Um, next thing. Um, if you have any questions or comments about the show or there's questions you want me to ask or there's people uh, you'd like to hear from, you can always reach out to me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at J underscore sleep, S-L-A-P-E, or uh, email the show at musicianpod at gmail.com. All right, today's guest is bassist, um, session player, teacher, Ian Allison. Ian has played uh, on a bunch bunch of records, uh, is also in Eric Hutchinson's touring band, and has also appeared as an instructor on Scott's Bass Lessons. Man, guys, you need to go to his Instagram right now and follow him. Uh, at Ian Martin Allison, you're gonna get after you listen to this interview, you're definitely gonna want to follow him. But just go ahead and take my word for it. Go ahead and hit that follow button for him. Um, he just provides a lot of really great content, uh, mostly geared towards bassists, but I think any musician was really gonna get a lot out of it. Um, and that's kind of how I came to discover Ian. Um, and as always, I'm gonna link all of Ian's information in the show notes so that you guys can get in touch with him and keep up with what he's doing uh, so you can, you know, maybe hire him for your next recording project. I'm sure he would appreciate that. So without much further ado, uh, this is my talk with Ian Allison. Jeffrey. Hey, Ian. How are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you great. Yeah, how about me? Oh, yeah. We're, I'm doing pretty good. I'm. This is like my first, uh, like, call recording, so I'm... Um, yeah, done a right. couple it can tests. be dicey. <laughs> it can be dicey. Yeah. So, yeah, man, how was your day today? Oh, man, my day was great. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got a couple little kids that are in school, you know, third grade and, uh, uh, and preschool. So, you know, just when I'm not out uh, on the road, I'm a stay-at-home dad, and then I'm out playing at night, you know? Yeah, no, <laughs> I... And they're at school, I'm doing sessions, and, you know, I'm just, like, living that, uh, living that balance, trying to make that work. Oh, that's, that's awesome, man. I'm, uh, I have a, my son is almost two, so I understand, I'm still navigating what that balance is, and if that's even possible. Yeah, man, it's, it's insane. Uh, it's so insane. I feel like, for me, after, like when three rolled around, or, you know, two and a half rolled around, we actually started to find a little bit more equilibrium and started to feel like, oh, we could, you know, get a nanny for this certain amount of days. And um, I was just home for the first two years solid. And it feels, in real time, that feels so intense, right? And, like, long. In, in real time, you're like, this will never end. And it's great. And there are things about it that are so wonderful, but boy, you start to get a little, or at least I got really cabin fevery, you know. Oh, no, I totally feel that, guys. Uh, yeah. Like, I'm I'm the one working now, my wife stays home, but when my son was, like, really little, um, it was it was reversed, and we were both working, and I was doing, like, part-time, like, a couple of days a week, and then 
uh, staying home, and it, man, it's, it's, it's crazy, and he would, this was before he was, like, crawling and everything, and so, like, I still, like, come home, like, from, like, the weekend, and I'm, like, wow, you do this every day, like, oh, dude, he's, like, I yeah, know. and I'm, like, wow, I, like, really appreciate this, <laughs> I know, it's crazy, man, it's crazy, but it's also good, like, I wouldn't have it any other way, you know, I, I love this, I love fighting for both, yeah, oh, yeah, and, I feel the same way, and it's nice to hear there's someone, like, a little bit ahead of me that's like, yeah, I don't, haven't quite figured out what the balance is, so, like, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, cool, I mean... <laughs> I'm not the only one, like, losing my mind. Oh, no, dude, we are always struggling, we're always struggling with that, trying to figure it out, so, it's just a constant struggle, and then you just have to, like, live in that tension, you know? Yeah, for sure, yeah, no, that's a, that's a hard thing. I think for me, it's just kind of like living the tension of that. Like I'm still, I mean, like I said, he's like almost two, but still like kind of new and figuring that out of like, okay. Um, yeah, just kind of sitting with that tension and like still kind of figuring out that like, oh yeah, I'm a dad and that's awesome and I love that. But like also like I'm the one in charge, so that's, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Right, and also you have to feel fulfilled and, you know, so that you can be a good dad. I mean, I'm a big believer in that. Of like, you have to do things that you want to do that keep you, that give you life, you know, so that you can bring your best attention, focus, non-resentment, right, to your child. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely, I'm a huge, you know. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's super important, too, of just, like, all right, hey, like, I need my time to, like, just go do whatever. Yeah, man, yeah, that's, I mean, I'm speaking for myself, like, that's the thing that I struggle with, is, like, you know, okay, get, get enough time where I feel like, oh, now I can come back into the dad role, you know, like, when I'm just solo with my kids, and be actually, like, a present parent, <laughs> yeah. you know? And not be like, oh, I've got to do this and this and this and like. Yeah, or just always on my phone or you know. Yeah, man, it's it's crazy. Oh man, I'm so guilty of that. I'm trying to be like way oh, better. Oh yeah, dude. Every dude, every parent. I mean, the kids that are growing up now are all gonna say, oh yeah, my my parents were always on their phone. That's what they'll say. Yeah. And it's crazy. And it's just it's not like no one's doing it right. It's just about like trying to not do it 100 percent of the time. <laughs> you know. It's, it's like trying to cut it back from 87% to 74%. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like, like, you know, and then hopefully from 74 to 65, you know? Like, that's the... Oh, man, it's every parent's struggle, for yeah. sure. Every parent feels guilty about it. Yeah. It's, uh... Yeah. Dude, who knew, that, who knew that we would just be talking about parenting? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, on... Kind of, like, into that like kind of going into that um it's like how do you like what do you do to like stay inspired like musically and then still have that fulfillment like to come back to music fresh every day like what do you what does that look like for you yeah i i'm really fortunate that i really really love playing the bass like full stop like i feel uh, a brief, just brief history. I came up, you know, teens and 20s playing in this rock band. I grew up in Montana in this uh, small town called Kalispell, the northwest corner. Found some dudes, you know, same, everybody's got a similar story if you came up in a band. And I just had these, you know, essentially lifelong friends. I still know these guys and make music with them in, you know, various avenues. But we had a band and all of my teens and 20s to the decades were about that band and then when you know and we were like we're gonna change the world like obviously like yeah when that when we didn't change the world and like started to feel like more adult responsibilities and i started to get really interested in being side musician um and like working for a variety of artists you know so that change was really good for me actually like so so i have both i have this uh urge to create and collaborate with people and actually like on the writing end 
um, or even just like writing someone bass lines for their record. Like I love that. But I'm also, I also like to be like a fighter pilot where I'm just going to nail that target or, tr or try to mm. nail the target. Like there's something really gratifying to me about like being an executor. Like, okay, here's, here's what we need to do. And the picture is clear. And now we need to execute that. Like, I love that too. Like playing, you know, like a tour where the show is the same over and over. There's something like gratifying about tightening that up. Um, but also if I do too much of that, then I yearn for the creative thing again. So, uh, a sort of, a, a, a better answer might be like when I'm playing my instrument, as long as I'm with people that are in pursuit of a similar goal, you know, like if I'm working on a tune with a band or if I'm playing brown eyed girl in a wedding, like as long as I'm with people that also want the situation to be great, I'm happy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, from my own personal experiences, in any work or music uh, situation, it's, it's the people that make it, like, whether this is really a really bad situation or if this is tolerable. And to have, yes. you know, the camaraderie of we're all pursuing this same goal, but to just also be like, wow, this is really shitty right now. And you can, like, look yeah. at your buddy and be like, Yep, this is. All right, cool. Yeah, All right, right we're going right. to get through it, though. Yeah, like, yeah, the camaraderie, that's that's a really good word for it. I, I was on a gig recently, and there was, like, a, a singer, a uh, female singer that I really admire, but, like, she's super threadbare on doing, like, cover band stuff. And I'm not. Like, I don't do it all that much. And so when I get an opportunity to play a wedding, man, like, I'm pumped. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get to learn, like, 24 karat magic like I would have no reason to <laughs> learn that you know like that's just not what I do the most so so for me it's like this treat but for her that's her world and I remember we kicked into a tune and she turned around and started to make like wrist slitting motions to me and as if to be like as if to confirm in me like this sucks and we're in this together. Don't you hate playing this song? I think it was like Sweet Home Alabama or whatever. And like my, I was so bummed out because like Sweet Home Alabama to me, like it's obviously, it's not my favorite song, but there's a really cool actually like uh, interaction with the kick and the bass that no one plays correctly. No one. And like I had, <laughs> I had like studied it. You know, so, like, we kick into that, and I'm, like, taking it seriously, and she's making wrist-slitting motions, and I thought, like, oh, right, like, not everybody feels this way, you know? Like, people hate their gigs sometimes. I just, it's, it's either, like, I'm just kind of, like, an insane person and like the craft enough that it gets me through those situations, or uh, I think actually what it is is, like, even if I feel like, ah, oh, I'm not really into this music, I will always try to find a way to make it feel exciting or like, oh man, this bass line is quote unquote boring. I'm going to focus on the smallest detail of like muting out that, you know, particular subdivision to give the kick more weight or, you know, to leave a hole on two and four for the snare. Or like I start to get really microscopic. Uh, and that helps me stay really engaged. Hey, here's the deal. After I had a kid, like, I was playing my bass, and I was looking at it like, this is absurd. Like, I'm playing this instrument that's made of wood. It has these metal strings across it. I'm so precious about it. I think about it all the time. And I'm basically, like, I'm just entertaining people. I'm an entertainer. And I'm playing this weird instrument that just, like, provides the low end that not very many, like, regular music, like, casual music listeners even care about or even know exists, you know? Mm. Like, they can feel the bass, but, but I'm like, this is, this is preposterous. And, it's, and I feel like I'm winning the lottery. Like, I love it so much, and I get to do it for a living. Like, it's just absurd. It's totally absurd. And I really connected with that, actually, after I had a child. 
and like you know like going through the motions of you know trying to raise a child and not kill the baby <laughs> you know what i mean like and i'm like what am i doing this is crazy so i, I guess like i try to enter any rehearsal any gig with like huge gratitude from a starting place I'm not saying i always like leave the gig or rehearsal feeling that same level of gratitude i just dude i just feel way fortunate to be like a musician in 2020 doing what i do it just feels like i've won you know yeah dude that's that's awesome and i'm like sitting here like wow i wish i played with more people like you <laughs> yeah um, i mean it is infectious too you know and when i'm around people that feel that it's just like I, it's the best thing in the world uh I, I find that i'm a bit of a cheerleader though like not i mean i'm surrounded by people that love music but i am <laughs> i'm constantly like come on guys this could be better this could be like oh let's get that lick let's run that lick again let's like unison let's make that really tight i find that like that enthusiasm then leads to me being uh, a band leader um, or kind of like, if I'm not like a designated MD, then sort of just like a cheerleader for the situation. And typically like, you know, people uh, like have fun or they, or they try, you know, if I, if I am bringing that energy, people are like pumps to like rise up to that energy, you know? Oh, for and sure. then it, it just makes everything better. And, you know, I, I've had some great, um, collaborators and you know teachers and musical influences in my life that have really led me down that path like really striving to make it great uh, you know and to have a great time like no one no one got into this industry to you know to like make money if you're a kid you were listening to a Rush record or something you know and like that was me like you connected with some music thing and wanted to play it had nothing to do with like you know being a self-employed musician paying 36 percent you know income tax every year like no it was about this love and and so my whole thing is like i'm just uh i'm really passionate about keeping that alive like keeping that like youthful spirit of why we started this thing in the first place alive yeah, and wow, that's like really interesting you say that because I feel like if I I also just like find a lot of enjoyment just for like playing for no specific purpose and I don't think that's unusual but some like I'll get up in the morning like I try to get up before like the rest of my house and like either like practice or you know work on like songwriting and like most of the time it's just like oh I don't want to get up. It's yeah. Too early, but then it's like after I've done like I've played music where I like just play guitar. I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's why I do this. Like that's why I wake up. Oh man. That's why like I like you know I'm working on all these other projects to be able to do that more and make that my my full time yes. thing. And so like it's therapy too. I mean, or it's like it's I feel probably the most relaxed. Like, if I get to spend a half an hour with an instrument in my hand, like, and I'm not preparing for a gig or I have to learn 40 tunes or, you know, like, if it's not specifically for a purpose, I'm not charting songs, but I just spend a half an hour playing to a click or even just improvising or even just playing threadbare old licks that I've played for years, it's therapy. It's like, it feels like a vacation to me. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely, like I, absolutely. You know, I, I, I escape. It's honestly like this really odd combo for me of like my escape mechanism, um, but also the thing that I do for a living. And so, you know, like I have to have, you know, that word balancing and I have to balance the escape and then just like, oh, I just want to play. I just want to work on nothing for four hours with this instrument in my hands. I just like the way it feels in my hands, you know, like, yeah. you know. Uh, with like, a, okay, nope, I got to get down to work. I got these tunes to learn. And I mean, I like that too, but yeah, man, like spending time with your instrument, that's like when I had students, um, I used to teach at this college and I would have students that would, wouldn't practice. And 
And I used to like take it personally. And then a good friend of mine, Steve Gould, who's a great drummer, said like, you, you have to let that go. Like you can't, you can inspire, but you can't expect the same level of passion or the same level of like enthusiasm that you have about the instrument. And so I would just tell people like, if you can get to a place, like if you actually want to do it, do it for a living and like, or, or just do it for a real creative fulfillment. If you can get to a place that whenever you pick your instrument up, it's like a relief instead of a horrible stress, you know, in the beginning, right where your fingers are hurting and it's frustrating because you can't get out the ideas in your head. Like you can break through that phase and pick the instrument up and have it feel like a vacation. Then you like, that's it. Like you win. Oh, I definitely. And I, that's been my goal is to just be able to pick up and like the guitar or whatever and re- actually really convey like if I'm thinking about something to actually like convey it and it's some days I feel like I I'm there and you know there's other days where you don't you don't feel like you're like playing as well do you do you ever feel like that do you ever feel like you have days where you're just like you pick up the bass and you're just like man I don't know what's wrong with me today it's just like not clicking or Dude, yes. I had that today. It's so funny that you ask that. I had that today where I picked up the bass and just started to play and, you know, tried to, whatever, just play something that I play all the time when I first pick up an instrument. You know, there's like your go-to whatever, like, bag of things that you play. Yeah, And it felt stiff. Yeah, you know, it felt like a little stiff and it felt a little, like, cumbersome. And I thought, oh, man, that's, that's odd. But I've been doing it long enough that I know that really it's just about um, it's just about reps you know like it's just about doing it and doing it and doing it and if you play the same groove for 20 minutes the end of that 20 minutes man that groove is going to feel so comfortable and good and you know if you're intentional about like ooh this is feeling stiff and asking why and maybe stretching out a little bit and you know and then like really locking in your syncopation the click or your internal time or like as long as you're intentional about what you're doing, I think um, you I think you can break through that thing of like, oh, it just doesn't feel good today. But you have to ask why, you know. Mm. Um, and then I think it's easier to suss out. And it's you know it's just time. It's like someone was asking me on Instagram the other day of like, you know, man, uh, I've been working on this technique, but I just I'm really struggling to get it. Um, and literally. Like, everyone thinks it's about their hands and thinks it's about, like, oh, my hands just, you know, my hands are too small or, like, ah, my hands just won't do it. But it's not your hands. Your hands are so capable. It's your brain. It's literally, like, and I think this is so encouraging. It's literally uh, doing it enough so that your brain is able to send the right message to your hands. Mm -hmm. It has zero to do with your hands. Like your hands, you can move your fingers in the craziest ways, just, you know, on their own. Uh, But to do this sort of odd, finite motion, your brain has to communicate the right thing. So I would always tell students, the more you do it, like practice truly, truly from a brain science perspective makes perfect. Because the more you do it, literally, your brain is creating a groove, like it's creating a path to fire the right impulse to your muscles and tendons and hands to do the right thing. So it's like the more you do it, I promise, the better it will feel and the, the better you'll get. Even if in the beginning you're like, uh, I can't do it. My hands just won't do it. Not your hands, it's your brain. You know? And I love that. So it's like I just did this thing, uh, Jacob Umansky, dude who plays for intervals like a super like froggy mouth. Oh yeah, I know, I know who Intervals is, yeah. He put up this like riff challenge and it's this insane like hard slap thing. And I used to work on that stuff when I was a kid, you know, and I was like, oh, this would be fun to try. And I just started and thought like, oh, I'll never, like, nope, that ship has sailed. And then I'm like, hold on, I should practice what I preach. And then throughout the course of the day, I started at like a quarter speed and slowly but surely, just sped up the click, tried to practice it clean, super slow, clean to where, oh, I can go up a couple clicks. Oh, look at that. And my hands 
are super relaxed. It's no problem. It was, and, and I saw, like, I could feel it happening. Like, yep, ah, it's just like my hand isn't quite getting it, but my brain isn't, you know, doing the, <laughs> isn't sending the right message. And by the end of the day, I had come leaps and bounds, you know? And it's like, man, just that belief that you can do it. And then the, like, discipline to dig in and just humble yourself, do it so slow and so clean, and then be really intentional about, like, nope, you're only going to speed it up when you've achieved that tempo super clean. That's everything. And then your brain is like, oh, okay, I get it. Now, let's move on. Like, level up, level up. Uh, but I, I love that. I love that thought. It's super encouraging to me. It's like, the more I do it, the better I'll get. So do you, uh, on the subject of, like, practice, do you have, like, a routine that you, do you, like, make, like, a schedule of, like, I'm going to work on these things, like, for the next, like, month or so, or do you just kind of sit down and decide day by day, like, what you're going to actually, like, practice and focus on? Man, I wish I could be like, yes, I have a 45-minute practice regimen every day that is, you know, I, what I tell students, of mine is I think like that thing of practicing for four hours is uh, not all that helpful. I think shorter bursts of focus uh, is really good. So when I, when I'm really disciplined, I try to do 45 minutes and I try to break it into three categories. So what I'll do is I'll start for 15 minutes and I will just play time. So I'll do metronome exercises. I'll run scales with uh with the metronome and i will just focus really really focus on time stuff and then i'll turn it off and tap my foot and feel like you know just play one note make the groove really hard to the best of my ability right so for 15 minutes i'm only focused on time the second 15 minutes are focused on some maybe like theoretical concepts that um i, I feel like i need a better grasp on maybe maybe it's like two five ones soloing over two five ones maybe it's um maybe it's like ah you know what for this 15 minutes I, I need to go to work so i need to chart that song out i know i've got you know i can i can get one chart done maybe even two charts done in these 15 minutes i'm gonna do that but it's like so it's like a disciplined theory or sort of more academic uh endeavor and then the third is sort of a reward structure where it's like now it's improv so uh, if it's a new pedal that I have, or if it's like, man, I heard this tune on the Minneapolis radio station that I love, and I love that bass line. I'm gonna find that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy learning that. It's like I think I think the end of the practice routine should be some kind of like it should be fun, uh, or like or like more rewarding uh, to your to like the pleasure center. <laughs> yeah, then maybe playing, you know, 40 BPM with a click in your first 15. So that's kind of what I do. And I've heard people say, oh, you should improvise first. But whatever, man. But my, my deal is timekeeping, academia, improv. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what I try to do. And, and then if I go past 45 minutes, great. It's gravy, you know. Um, but I don't feel like then... Um, actually really practicing kind of feel like then i'm just having fun and that's great like i'm with your instrument fantastic but yeah, I, yeah man that's that's kind of that would be a goal of mine to like get to doing that every day i don't do that anymore. i'm way more you know i'm 41 years old and and it's what i do for a living and so there's always songs to chart there's always emails to write about where we're going to send our gear after the tour or, you know what I mean? There's always sort of like admin stuff that I feel like I'm constantly behind on. Oh, um, yeah. You know, and then, then sometimes my practice time goes into making content, you know, it goes into doing stuff for Instagram, uh, which I just this year started to take really seriously. And it's been like more fruitful than I can even tell you. I mean, crazy like really taking that seriously and trying to think about uh loving an audience and 
a group of people and like trying to make content that I would want to see from a bass player, you know, for a particular group of people like that. It's just been a huge game changer. for me. Well, yeah. Dude, so that's yeah. Uh, it's funny you said that because that's kind of I don't remember like how I found you on Instagram. Yeah. Um, but I. I remember just like kind of following you, and this it was probably a little bit before you started. I think really doing um, more stuff. Yeah, your content that you yeah. do now, which I really, I really enjoy as uh, just like a lover of music. Um, Thank you, man. Thank you. But I remember just like following, like, oh yeah, this guy's got like some cool pedals or whatever, and then like you started like you would you know, talk about practice or whatever, and more. I just felt like stuff that was a little bit more applicable to not just a bass player or even music specifically, just, but just like, hey, if you want to get better at any skill, like, do it. Um, yeah, yeah, right. Like, a little bit of that, a little bit of that, like, uh, self-help motivation talk. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, I don't think... It could apply to, yeah. I don't think it's so different. Like, I think music is, almost has, like, a spiritual element element to it at least for me is absolutely it it definitely is this almost like magical like otherworldly thing it's not like you know it's science and it's math but it's also just like like you said earlier there would be a specific piece of music that just you know kind of affect you in a certain way and like I think that's the cool like that's the best part about any art really is just it's ability to affect us man it's so true it's so intangible like i will hear a song and i i almost don't want to know why a song arrests me but that happens to me quite a bit and i feel fortunate for that like where i'll hear a song and i will just stop the car or like stop what i'm doing turn it up and be like uh and i don't know what it is and i and and i don't know that i want to know (laughs) you know like like is it is it the four chord to the six chord to the five chord or like or is it a lyric or is it uh ah i don't know or is it an aesthetic like a sonic aesthetic Uh, it's like all of these things but yes it's very ephemeral i i can't always put my hands on it you know or like or like put a finger on it as to why but i do i agree it's it's a language to me um and you know you're on this every everyone that uh, participates in it is on this journey of like speaking this language. They're on a journey of fluency. You know what I mean? Mm. And, and like along the way, I, I just, I hope to never lose sight of, of like the magic and the emotional like gut punch that it still has for me. I mean, I just, I cry like a baby at, at things at, I mean, at like movies and music and stupid commercials and things my kids say and like that's that to me is like I want to stay vulnerable I want to stay connected to that kind of like the magic that you say you know about music um even though you could study it right and you you know you do it for a living and you're gonna go to the gig and play you know Girl from Ipanema uh I never want to lose the like damn that is such a great moment in that tune and like let's not Fully pick that thing apart. Let's just enjoy that moment, you know, like all the aspects that came together to make that particular moment or music really special. It's, I, I still really get super pumped about that. Yeah, I think that's at least when I like am discovering new music, like that's what I hope to find. And like even in writing or like when you, you know, playing out or something like that, is that that one like little thing when you have that like moment that's just almost otherworldly it's like that's the time it's like okay like that's why I do this yeah absolutely absolutely it's a drug and then everybody yeah and then everybody is trying to get back to that you know like you play the tune and that's why people get demo-itis you know like artists will write something in the demo they have really low expectations of the demo and then and then the demo, it's so cool, and people tell them how cool it is, and then they try to make the record, and ah, and it can't, you can't ever quite get back to that feeling of the demo, you know, like, oh, it's that thing, it's so intangible, it's so intangible. Yeah. 
and that's and that's part of what makes it so lovely. Oh, exactly. I mean, you know, the juxtaposition I think of everything in life is you have to take the good with the bad, and they can't exist uh, without each other. Right. Um, but just kind of like staying, um, kind of switch gears a little bit on you. Um, I'm someone that's like I'm still work. I'm not even, you know, this is not my full time thing yet, and like uh, working to do that. Like, what kind of advice, like, do you wish somebody gave you when you were first starting out of someone that um, is trying to pursue this to make this a full time job? Um, that's a great question. I get asked this a lot. And there's no, the, the problem is, there is no, like, secret. There's no thing where I'm like, dude, here it is. Are you ready? You know, I'm going to tell you the thing. And you're like, oh, if I just do that. Um, a couple things. First of all, you have to be afflicted. And I use that word uh, really intentionally. Like, people will say a lot, like, oh, you got to love it. Well, Yes. You have to love it, but you also have to have this sort of like uh, affliction uh, where you can't see yourself doing anything but it. Mm. And that needs to that needs to like get in the way of some things, and that needs to uh, like that makes you sacrifice your automobile purchase because you have to have that rig or you have to make that record. And so you're fine to drive around, you know, the old Camry so that you can fund your band's EP. You know what I'm saying? Like where, where normal people would go, that's a bad life choice. And you're like, you don't fucking get it. That's, you know, like there's an affliction. And I'm not saying that that's, a good thing or always healthy. I mean, man, but, but I have that affliction. Like if I were on my own without a family, I would be like an insane, like base collecting weird. (laughs) I I wouldn't care about, Oh, I wouldn't care about anything. And then like all my professional things would fall away and I'd just be this crazy base hermit. I mean, I, that said, I think you then, of course, have to balance your affliction with PR, right? With people. Because it's all about, like, this whole industry is about serving people. And especially as a bass player, it's about service. Mm-hmm. It's about figuring out, um, like, how to bring your best self, how to bring your best preparation. And really, in any situation, like, how you can make it better. Not just come in, play some dope fills, you know, turn on a cool effect, play the right notes and bounce, but like, how can you make it better? Like, what suggestion would you make to the artist about maybe like some alone time she needs before the gig because you saw at the last gig she got really stressed out? Or, man, you noticed that the drummer's blood sugar is a little low on that session man and that producer likes to run him a little ragged so maybe you find out what he likes to eat and you bring to the next session like you know his his favorite energy bar and coffee or you know what i mean like it's it's so much more than the notes it's so much more it's about like supporting people so you know we're in the service industry of like playing this instrument in support of an ensemble and then you also have to think about how as a human you can support the people and the relationships um that are a part of your trajectory and the people that are in your path you know um and and a couple more facets to that uh justin meldell johnson do you know he you know that guy? He uh, he plays bass for Beck. He's in Nine Inch Nails for a while. He's an incredible producer. I watched a thing that he... I watched like a masterclass thing that he gave, and he said something that I will never forget. And I'm paraphrasing. I don't know if it was exactly this, but I've really taken it to heart. And that is in any, in any like artistic endeavor, um, because it is art, 
you have to follow um, cool. And that sounds so shallow, and let me explain. So, like, his whole thing was, if I get asked to do something and it makes me excited, or I think that very simply, he's like, I ask one question. Do I think that's cool? Do I think any aspect of it, the music, the, you know, the relationship uh, that I might get out of it, like, any aspect, does it excite you? Does it give you that, like, butterfly welling feeling in your soul? And he described it as cool. And, and you know immediately. If you get asked to play on a record of an artist that you admire or asked to do a gig and you feel that, like, oh, you feel honored <laughs> as a craftsman or craftswoman, then that is the thing to follow. You have to follow that above all else. And, and even if that comes uh, at expense of money, uh, I would way rather play on somebody's record who I am thrilled about as a songwriter and the tunes are cool and get paid a quarter of the money than to go play uh, all of the lucrative wedding gigs uh, that week or in the course of that month or something. You know, I am constantly leaving money on the table for cool. Cool is a stupid word for it. I should figure out how to say that better. But, you know, for that feeling of excitement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. That's a really cool art. <laughs> Cool way of yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, no, I know. And cool is a great word because because it's very simple and it's very uh, like unadorned. You know, it's you know there are people that are like, oh, you know, what is how does this how does this fit in? Uh, like people that really weigh the money a lot or they or they think so much about it. I am am absolutely like knee jerk around my my gut reaction feeling to when someone asks me, and I I say yes to probably two many things that's the affliction piece like i say yes to things at the expense of my family sometimes at the expense of uh maybe other commitments that i'm less excited about you know um at the expense of like cleaning the the bathroom and doing the laundry and you know like making my wife who works her ass off at a full-time job insane you know she comes home to a messy house because i've said yes to some 50 dollar gig and i'm you know, struggling to prepare all the music for it, but I'm so pumped because the music's so rad, you know? That's, like, you have to stay excited. Um, and if you can do that, the, the benefit to doing that is it puts you in front of more things that you'll be excited about. So an artist asks you to play on their record and you're so excited. You meet the producer. You meet that drummer. You meet that engineer. That engineer loves what you do and is like, dude, you would be perfect for this other thing that is kind of in that vein of what you said yes to because it tripped your enthusiasm. Cool meter. And you get put on to another thing that also, you know what I mean? And it's a snowball situation. Right? Yeah. So that, and, and then the last thing I'll say. So I have, we've got, so far we have affliction. <laughs> We have, there was, what was the second one? Oh, bringing, like, that it's a PR gig. Yeah. That it's all about people. Uh, and that I'm led by enthusiasm and that simple feeling of cool. And the fourth thing I'll say about this is um, that, oh, man, I, <laughs> it, just, it just left my mind. I was like, oh, I've got, I've got the perfect, I have the perfect last thing to say about it. And it, and it is it is just totally gone like a rocket out of my brain. Maybe it'll come back to me. Man, it's all, um, I mean, those three are like, I'm like sitting here like, wow, that's like just kind of marinating on those three things. I um, have it. I found it. I found it. Here it is. Last one is patience. And this is the one that sucks. Mm. Uh, the last one is patience. How old are you? I'm 26. Right. So I am 41. I mean, you know, a little Mickey math. I'm almost twice your age I didn't actually get my first like I got a touring gig um, with Eric Hutchinson's band when I was 36 36 dude a decade 
Like, you can't even imagine being 36 right now. You can't. <laughs> like, you can't You're imagine right. 10 years down the road. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels impossible, right? It feels like so old. And, dude, I didn't get my first, like, actual, like, gig that, you know, like, people, have, you know, some people have heard of uh, until I was 36 years old. So it's, like... It's the culmination of all of those three things that I mentioned, uh, combined with this burning desire that you're going to just do it over the long haul. That for you, over the next 10 years, you are going to act in a way that is going to get you more and better opportunities, and that you'll go, man, at the end of, you know, you're 36 and some cool things have happened as a result. And it's just because you've been acting this way for a long time. There is nothing you can do right now, one single thing that you can do right now that will, like, make the difference. It is all of those things together. At least this is the story of my career. All of those things together over time. And then you just get to, like, but dude, I never want to retire. Like, I want to die playing uh, corny smooth jazz gigs <laughs> in, in, in Mexico in a Hawaiian shirt. Like, dude, you know, I never, I don't want it to end. So for me, like, I sometimes am self, a self, uh, I self-sabotage. Like, I don't, I don't want to make a ton of money and, like, not have to gig. <laughs> you know, like, I want, I want the process, man. I am all about the process. Mm-hmm. I like that it takes time. And you can't, you cannot have it fast. And some people get it fast. You know, you get into a band and the band explodes and now, you know, you're caught in this whirlwind of the industry. But, ah, like a career as a bass player playing, you know, serving artists and songs that is something that happens over a very, very long time. For better or for worse. Yeah, wow, man. That's like probably the best advice I've ever been given. Like, <laughs> well, good. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny that you, like, kind of really hammered on impatience because you ever feel like there's just, like, a sick joke on you like you've got to learn this thing and that has been like the number one thing probably like the last I would say two three years that's been like keeps like hey you know you gotta fall in love with the process and I struggle you know I I think it's human to maybe struggle with that but it's also where I found myself where I really have leaned into that more gotten like you know, there is there is more fulfillment in being and recognizing this the smallest progress. Oh, for sure. Um, for sure. And I'm not saying like don't hear me saying that like, well, you just gotta wait, wait, do whatever, you know, it's just gonna take ten years. No, man, I'm saying do all of the things, like hustle your ass off, like play all the gigs, do all the things, work hard, like and enjoy that work. And know that it is leading. Know that it is, like, defining your trajectory. It's like you can't expect a career um, when and you have patience and know and and you're not, like, after it. You oh, know? for sure, for sure. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, something that you could do or that anybody in their 20s right now in 2020, uh, that something you could do tomorrow that would, like, take another step in the right direction is reach out to on social an artist or musician or whatever that you admire and say i i want to um, i write really cool bass lines and i want to write a bass line for something that you do and i'll do it for free like take a risk and you may get you know you may get 10 no's 100 no's but when you get a yes that starts to build this relationship you know, yeah. just ask somebody. I mean, you just, you asked me to do a, a podcast interview 
And I was like, hell yeah, man. I love, I love talking about this stuff. And that is the thing to do, is to just continue to ask. You'd be so surprised. Like, people just don't ask enough. People just don't say, hey, let's, let's make music together. Really, here's a track. Here's drums and bass. Want to sing on this? Like, that's how it works. Oh, yeah. Now. And, and the, dude, the, like, if it's not happening now, like, before the internet, man, I mean, I grew up in a time where <laughs> email and the internet was thought of as a joke, like a passing fad. So, right now, you have access to anybody. You can hit up anybody you want and ask or say, what can I, I mean, instead of asking, like, hey, man, do something for me. The, the way better thing to do is to say, what can I do for you? Dude, Tim LaFave and I were just talking about this the other day. I put up a thing in stories about, like, so many people have it wrong where, you know, they're always asking me for things. But they're asking their, you know, whoever, whoever they're reaching out to, like, hey, tell me the pedal settings you're using. Hey, and I'm happy to answer all of that stuff. But a guy like Tim, Tim gets a hundred of those a day. And he's like, I can't, he was like, Ian, I cannot answer those questions. Like it's called Google. Like you want to know, you want to know how to get a cool synth bass sound? Google it. <laughs> like, like, he's like, I don't have time. And I'm like, yeah, but what if one of those kids said, I'm coming to your show in New York. What's your favorite, um, coffee roaster he was like it would be it would change everything I said yes so they bring you a, a killer bag of beans and talk to you and then say man would you mind if i ask you a couple of questions about your pedals he's like dude no one does that i'm like yeah it's because it's a transactional what can you do for me economy right now it's like so many kids not, not just kids but but people that are on social media are just like, I have access, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna take. I can't believe that I can DM whoever, so I'm just gonna ask and take. Mm. And for me, I love answering questions, but I'm not to the level that Tim is. Tim, Tim is inundated. And for someone to break through that, you need to provide value. Like, as a, as a young musician, you need to say, I am a killer beat maker and I will make you five dope ass minute long Instagram worthy beats for free. Or I, I love playing this kind of bass. Like let, let me write you a cool bass line. Do you have anything that needs bass? I would love to do a free for free. Like that's it. That's how, and then that leads, that leads to cool that leads to money then it's you know the world's your oyster but no one does it no one does it everyone is going everyone is saying what can you do for me like hey listen to my song hey come to my gig you know and it nobody wants that nobody wants that in their dms you know yeah and it probably is like especially frustrating to see that like a lot more if you're like oh yeah you know someone that has that big of an audience yeah, like 75 times a day. It's like, hey, do you put the octave before the fuzz? Or he's like, are you kidding me? Like, go experiment with that. Don't ask me that question. That's a ridiculous... Like, like, for Tim to answer that 75 times a day is it, just uh, not... It's not... It will never happen. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's not, a, it's not a productive use of his time. He gets irritated by it. He's like, if someone actually said dude i wrote this sick beat and i'm just going to give it to you and feel free to do with whatever you want i just love your bass playing and check this beat out no strings attached he's like i'd start to pay attention like fuck yeah you would you know so we're i don't know man that's just um check this out that's how i approached scott divine so i got to do some stuff for scott's bass lessons um which is one of the biggest and like best opportunities of my life. Mm. And it was a result of me hitting him up. He'd taken notice of a couple things I'd done and left a couple of nice comments, which was so like 
I, it blew my mind, dude. I cried. Like, he left a comment on something I did, and I literally, like, burst into tears. Because I'm an emotional baby, man. Um, but I hit him up and said, I love what you do. I'm a huge fan. I'm a good educator. I think I have, um, like, an interesting angle on like career I'm not in one of the big three music cities and I'm making a living doing like creative music and a whole host of other things uh and I will do anything for you for free like name it I'll make content for you I'll I'll teach a course I love what you do if I can ever be of service to you in any way like if you ever think man Ian might be cool for this I'll just do it I don't care I'll make time and I'll prioritize you and I'll do it. And dude, he hit me back and was like, that's amazing. Um, let's do it. Except I'm absolutely going to pay you. I've been paying attention. I love what you're doing. You know, said a lot of really nice things and said, no, you're not going to do that for free. But the, I, I wasn't like, Hey man, here's what I charge. You know, if you ever want to get me on the Academy, dude, what a, what a turn off. Yeah. Right? Like, I was like, I love you. I'm in. Whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. And I meant it. <laughs> I mean, man, if he was like, get into a studio and record a course on playing with a pick, I would have been like, yes, sir. Because the, <laughs> like, the ROI that comes from being connected to him is more, that's what people don't understand. It, it, it's more, money is so inconsequential like like the fee that you get for the lesson thing doesn't none of that matters what matters is because of him there are 5,000 more bass players that know who I am and now we have community together mm. and you know they show me to their drummer or they show me to a you know singer songwriter and he's like oh I love like oh hey will you play on this you know what I'm saying it opens up a community and, you know, the marketing term is network, but that sounds so cold. I don't think of it as a network. I think of it as a community. Um, and that is invaluable. And there's this thing of like, oh, you know, if you're, if you're good at something, never do it for free. That is absolute bullshit. Absolute bullshit. Especially when you're young. You should be doing a million free things. Obviously not at the expense of your family and, you know, of course, it's like, yeah, yeah we're smart, within but, reason, but... Yeah, but give, give, give so much away. Give away all your secrets. Give away your perspective. Give away music and watch it come back to you. You won't believe it. And, dude, I'm 41. I feel like I've just started. It's crazy, dude. I feel like I'm in infancy right now of and my career. That's awesome. And, and maybe it's just delusional. Maybe I'm just, I like peaked and it's just, you know, uh, just all downhill from here. But, but that's how I feel. I feel that in my heart that I'm like, oh, this is, this is just beginning for me. Yeah. And I'm old. You're, no, you're not old. Well, I, no, I like... no, but you know what I'm saying? But like, but you know, if you were to think like of yourself at like, my story is not uh, the typical story. Usually people get a gig in their 20s or something or like, you know, but I was late 30s, dude, late 30s. And so I'm just here to tell you that like if you if you are playing for long game and you're into it and you are like giving un like of your talents and your time and your enthusiasm, that will it just spreads, it just does. And then money comes. And then people go like, hey, what's your day rate for a thing? And you say like a number that you're uncomfortable saying. And they say, great. And you go, holy shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how it happens. It doesn't happen before that. Like it doesn't, you know, no one is going to pay you a big day rate to do a thing when no one knows who you are and you haven't proven yourself. It's, it's preposterous. The days of, you know, triple scale union gigs, like that shit is over. Oh, big time oh yeah for you sure. know i mean and, even but, in nashville but, that you know that that's gone is that where you're at are you in nashville yeah i, I live in nashville right 
So that is the Nashville story, man. Well, David Hungate, man, David Rhodes, man, these guys, you know, triple scale, and there's this old, dusty ass, it's maybe more my generation, of like, oh, man, that's the thing, man. You're going to be playing on, you know, the big country hits, making that triple scale. These guys are going to live to be 100 years old, and they're going to have those gigs forever. Yeah, I mean... You, you know... For sure. I mean, that's like stuff like still goes on here, but it's like only if you were, you know, signed to some and to have some huge deal as like a country star, are you going to like yes. be cutting with and, those people? Like, and you are only going to be that person's bass player when you have grinded for 20 years. Yeah. Unless you're a road guy. I mean, there are a lot of road guys, you know, there's a lot of touring out of Nashville. And, you know, a lot of, like, bro country bands that go out of Nashville that, you know, have 20-something, like, ex warp Tour or, like, you know, 30-something ex warp Tour guys in the band. You know, like, pop-punk guys. I feel like that's, like, such a thing. Oh, for um, sure. It is. You know, and and that's a, that's a scene that I am completely not attached to just because I don't live there. So, for me, it's just been about, like, taking every weird opportunity in my town in believing in my community and you know operating under those like those four principles i told you and things happen yeah well i don't want to like take up like a ton more of your time i've been going for like a little bit um but you're good man, man you're good if you, I, yeah if you want to ask anything else please feel free um i'm like still like processing and all like want to like soak in um yeah oh man you just like you've hit on everything i read uh have you read atomic habits by james clear no um anyway i read the book like a few weeks ago like kind of like i got it for christmas and you know read it pretty soon after but it's all about like you know playing the long game uh yeah kind of stuff and just getting his big thing is getting one percent better every day yeah that's awesome but you know, it's nice to hear. You know, it's, you can read it in a book, but to have like a other like human voice saying like, hey, "Yeah, like, of course, man." Do this, and like, this is what I've done. It's like, is you know, it's, of it's just encouraging. So, man, I I really appreciate your time so much. Oh, um, for sure, man. Happy to do it. And literally, if you're ever in Nashville and you need a place to crash, you have a place to crash. Yeah, man. I'll be coming through there um, with Eric Hutchinson uh, probably in the spring. Okay. So it'd be, fun to, it'd be fun to connect. Yeah, I'd love that. Cool. Well, um, Ian, again, thank you so much. I'm going to go and, like, sit and meditate on this or something for, like... <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. A little while, like, let it sink in. But, man, I really, I really appreciate it again. And, uh, yeah, if there's anything I can do for you. Let me know. Right on. Thank you, Jeffrey. All right. Thanks, Ian. Have a good one. All right, man. Bye-bye. Bye.
I want you to be 